Hey guys, today on the podcast, I am playing part two of my interview with my mum, and we are talking about rejection and all that's involved in it. It's pretty vulnerable. Actually, it's probably more transparent than vulnerable, but we are diving into a story I share about a therapy session. So enjoy. When I was working through rejection in therapy, my therapist got me to put, do a fact line of all the big painful rejections that I can remember in my life. And she made me put down a stone at each rejection point. And it made me really aware um, how much if we don't heal the rejection and change the story we've made up about ourselves because of the rejection, that we start to project that out in the world and then attract it. So all of this rejection that I'd experienced in a certain area, I was bonded to rejection. It's like a bond that you make. And she got me to look at all the different places where I reject myself because that's me communicating to the rest of the world. You can reject me too. I'm not worth anything. And so I've had to really look at where I self-reject. And so, um, and a lot, and this is hard because I'm a, a recovering people pleaser. So sometimes I would say yes to things I don't want to do. And because it's that tension of like, you, sometimes in life we have to do the thing we don't want to do. And that's actually called adulting. And that's actually good, you know, but then there's sometimes where like whether it's a person or something like this is not life-giving, this is draining me, this is um, I'm just saying yes to this so that you're happy with me and I'm totally neglecting myself and totally abandoning myself. And I noticed for me I had a pattern of doing that. Um, and then I also like there was different areas where I'd work late and so I wouldn't go to the gym or I wouldn't eat like prepare food for myself and wouldn't eat properly. And all of those little things add up to like self-rejection. And so where I've had to kind of shift and show up in how I show up in life is actually learning how to not reject myself where I'm inviting rejection. And I always tell our students like, um, you can walk into a room thinking no one's going to like me, no one's going to care, and people will probably treat you like that. But but you can actually change the narrative if you show up and go, I'm actually going to, um, everyone loves me. I'm so lovable. And even if no one loves me, I love me. Like, And you kind of get your power back that way. And I notice like students who start to do like, I'm welcome here. I belong here. Even if they don't feel like it, they start like just posturing their heart, like rather than assuming and looking for evidence, they don't belong in the room. They start like interrupting the narrative, the internal dialogue that they have. And um, I have found that so powerful because, um, and looking at the fact line, and looking at the story I've made up of myself, oh, I'm not capable to get that relationship that I want, or I'm not capable of that um, because 
like I had uh, Justin Stumble say to me, Ella, your problem isn't the track record. The tr- problem is your agreement with the track record. And okay. where our agreement goes, that's obviously what we're going to manifest into our life. So I think that's super important to understand like how rejection works. But do you have anything to add to that, Mum? Well, as you're talking, I'm thinking about my little girl story when I was about four. I think everything that I'm battling with now seems to come back to that moment. So the quicker I realise that and come back to that moment in a healed way, um, the quicker I can move into my truer self. Around about four, we were having dinner around the table and my dad, I must have made a noise. I think it was after dinner and and I was talking out of turn or something and he sent me outside the kitchen door, shut the door. I'm sitting in the hallway. I, can't, I imagine it's a dark hallway. I may have had the light on, but it felt dark. And I felt very alone, discarded, abandoned, not valued, not heard. My voice got me into trouble, you know, all those things. Was, and I would find, like this is years ago, I keep coming back to that memory keep coming back to it like it was significant I didn't realize it was significant I just had shame attached to it I'd feel small when I think of that memory now I've done a lot of my own therapy with that memory I've had other therapy with that memory I've had a lot of healing and bring brought back into the family I've had my dad um, in my imagination when I made the noise, grab me, bring me onto his lap and just bring me into the conversation. Um, and, you, you know, recreating the memory, yeah, re- yeah. recreating the memory and reparenting myself in that, mm-hmm. that, that way through my imagination. And so the work I've done in that, I've, I've had my dad hold me until I felt so loved and powerful and taking up all my space with a big voice and being fully myself as a little girl, right? So when I look at putting my art out there and feeling really afraid, really scared, no one's going to value this, um, this is really a scary place for me to put myself out there like I did at the dinner table you know put myself mm-hmm. out there and boom I was rejected yeah um, that's a very painful space and you know that wasn't a, I just want to say here that was not a big t trauma for right. any, any imagination it was yeah. not a bad trauma but it was um, reinforced year after year by lack of emotional connection to my dad yeah. you know he was not safe emotionally for this little heart of mine mm. and so it became a big deal for mm. me it formed an identity in me that I companioned with. Yes. You know, going to a new, I went to a party last night. It was brilliant. But initial thought was, I'm scared to go on my own. People I don't know, environment I don't know, you know. But I catch myself and think, yeah, but that's little daddy. That's Mm -hmm. big daddy taking up all her space, just powerful walking in. It was a fantastic party. Yeah. Um, you know, those kind of things. It's mm. writing, putting my writing out there, talking today on a podcast, you know. Mm. It's just is my voice worth listening to? Will it? Yeah. It'll be dismissed, you know, that that self-rejection is yes. well 
in us. Yes. Well, yeah. Yes. And it just keeps us small. It keeps Tiny. us silent and small. And, yes. and I think, yeah. And I think the big thing is because when we grow up, we're so driven by our circumstances. So especially how our parents or siblings or whatever are defining us. So we take that into our adult life where like our social anxiety of like, who's accepting us, who's picking us, who's choosing us. Like that is so, um, real, like so real. And, um, it's very normal to, be like, well, if no one's going to accept me at that party or if no one's going to like choose me or see me or pick me, then like, why would I even go? But it's powerful when you reframe it and go, well, I choose me. I see me. I, you know, even when I've like had work stuff, like where my boss is annoyed at me, I'll be like, well, I'm not annoyed at you, Ella. Like I, like you start to get the power back once you start defining yourself, when you can actually go, well, my truest, highest self back to having the high vision of who you are is this. Um, and, and I think sometimes also like rejection um, is, is sometimes a place of hard feedback um, because I do realize like some people are like kind of shooting themselves in the foot. <laughs> like sometimes we need those hard feedback moments of like, hey, like, but it's not that you are worthless and you are terrible, but sometimes we need to learn social cues. Like some people, if you were raised in a family where you weren't taught social interaction or you weren't taught those things like there there's there's hard like lessons inside of that but I think the biggest thing like I know I've had like social like feedback on what I should or shouldn't do and you have to rumble past like your core of identity being shaken into like oh yeah I did come off a bit sharp or a bit rude at that point or a bit judgmental and like, that's actually helpful feedback because I need to know how people are receiving me, but I don't want to become over-focused on how people are receiving me that I lose myself completely. So it's definitely a dance. It is. Yeah. And look, I don't like getting that kind of feedback. I I instantly go to I'm unlovable. Yeah. I'm why, why, is, why do you think we do that? Well, that's that little girl. Yeah. It just felt unlovable out she was yeah. apart from the family, shut out, rejectable. Yeah. yeah. Very, very deep emotions got cut into me that night. Yeah. And all of that pain of rejection is a cry for love. Like everyone wants to know that they're loved and that they're safe and that they're accepted. And the more we give that to ourselves, the more we grow our self-love muscle we actually became become more of a safe place for other people. Like we actually, when we learn this idea of loving ourselves, which is so abstract, you, it, when that's healthy love, like it actually becomes generous to those around you. And I know for me, like the less judgment and criticism I have towards myself, the less I have it towards other people, which makes me a safer place for other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And like with me, 
you know, recentering and having compassion for myself. Often it's remembering, oh, this is little Daddy driving here. She's yes. driving my choices and my thoughts. Okay, I, I scramble out the kitchen door, sit on the floor with little Daddy Holder and say, hey, yes. you're not alone. I choose you. Yeah. I, I want to hear what you've got to say, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm so proud of you. I'm going to take you back into that kitchen and show you off. You know, things like that, it brings mm-hmm. down that high emotion, takes out all the high stakes. Mm. It soothes me. Yeah. And I'm free. I'm free to be who I fully am. Yeah, totally. And then, of course, that's the person most people experience most of the time is mm-hmm. someone who is loved. Yeah, totally. I had um, an experience of rejection where it kind of hit me in an absurd way because rejection tends to do that. But I broke up with someone and I saw on their Instagram story that they were like they had their arm around a blonde Aussie and because this guy's American with a, um, a blonde Aussie and I got so triggered as you do Instagram stories can be a dangerous place for our Mm -hmm. sense of self sometimes. (laughs) And I got so triggered because I, well, I broke up with him, but I felt broken up with at that point. Mm -hmm. And I remember I went to the mall and I, um, like parked my car and everything, but I just found myself walking around the parking lot. I've lost the car, like fully, like for, I think probably an hour and a half was so disorientated because that's what rejection does or that feeling of rejection. And that was a trigger. And that was more of like what I call um, a covert rejection. It like wasn't directly to me. It was something I saw on an Instagram story. that got me and and I was like this is it's crazy because the war inside me is playing out like who is that and why is she better than me and like all of like comparison I'm measuring my enoughness to their enoughness and it's like so um dangerous for our identity and so I know I had to like go and I have trigger journal prompts that I help regulate my triggers through and I was like oh it's it's because I'm in scarcity and it's because I'm scared and it's um everything feels high stakes and I need to get my headspace back into abundance because rejection is always like there's not going to be enough and I'm going to miss out and I'm I'm not enough like there's such like the shame of I'm not enough, but then there's scarcity, which is a function of shame. And you're like, there's not going to be enough people. There's not going to be enough guys. There's not going to be enough. Like, and so I had to like shift myself from that scarcity place into an abundant place Mm. and, and practice my self-talk of like, you're awesome. And then I had to put in some boundaries of like not looking at his story. (laughs) (laughs) So you have to be kind to yourself by like not putting yourself in a position where you're rejecting yourself all over again. So good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The recovery was quite quick. Yes, it was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Thanks, mom. And you are always there for my moments like that. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. Amazing how you shared them with me. I'm very honored. Yes, yes, it's good. But by the way, that person did not end up dating an Aussie girl. <laughs> like it wasn't even a thing, but my oh, brain no, made up a whole imagine. story. Yes. <laughs> yes. I know it's so funny. But anyway, well, mum, thanks. It's been awesome having you and love having you on the podcast. And we'll have to have you more. Great. It might be my new favorite thing to do. Oh, coming on my podcast? Yeah, I love it. Oh, good. We just get to chat. Yeah, we do. It's just our normal everyday chat. Yeah, I know. Deep and meaningful. Deep and meaningful. We've got the DNMs. Is is that what it's called, DNMs? That's what Aussies call deep and meaningfuls, if you didn't know. Anyway, I love you, Mum. Love you. Thanks again. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening, everyone.